Hello and welcome to Sensei Podcast. This is Manos Brilakis discussing with leaders in the field of CTO and Complex PCI. Sensei means teacher or master in Japanese. The goal of the Sensei Podcast is to help you learn and improve in CTO and Complex PCI so that you can become the best that you can be and offer your patients the best possible results. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sensei Podcast. It is my great pleasure to introduce Dr. Mike Wyman from Torrance Memorial and from Cedar Sinai, who is literally one of the people who started this many, many years ago, and has taught me and many other people about how to do this procedure. So, Mike, thanks again for being with us today. Thank you, Mano. It's great to be here and to participate in the conversations you're having. So, Mike, you've been doing this forever. <laughs> And I'm not sure I like that designation, <laughs> but okay. But most senior people are doing this. So when you started, there was no such field as CTO PCI, right? Or it was very in the very early stages. How did you, in this stage where we didn't really know what to do, how did you decide to start doing these procedures and um, the CTOs? Well, I think, you know, people were were trying to do CTO-PCI um, in their own kind of individual ways, which was uh, very focused on traditional PCI and uh, the ways that we did PCI in, in any event, any any coronary circumstance um, that was not CTO-related. So I th- as I got into doing more and more complex intervention and um, started to do more of the CTO work, you know, it became pretty clear that um, the way that we were doing routine PCI was not going to work for CTOs and that uh, there had to be other ways to approach it. So, you know, it, it um, became a long learning process uh, and continued long learning process. But, you know, starting back in the, I don't know, 2008 range, something like that, um, when uh, some of us started going to Japan and uh, making trips over there and kind of getting um, ideas about uh, what they were doing um, with using dissection techniques, both integrated and retrograde. And then, you know, just tons and tons of collaboration uh, between um, lots of different operators, both U.S. and outside U.S. Um, and as that just it kind of grew exponentially, you know, and it was uh, uh, very, um, very fun to be participating in that kind of collaborative process because there wasn't, you know, there hadn't been that much of that, at least in my uh, career, which is, as you say, been forever. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it, I think, and it's still pretty much true to the, to, to the present time, um, once a lot of people finish fellowship, uh, there isn't a lot of um, collaboration and growth, unfortunately. I think there needs to be a lot more of that. Um, but um, that was true back then, and I, it, was, it was a very um, unique thing for me to see, uh, particularly at that point in my career, to, to be able to have such engagement and collaboration with so many different people you know, trying to figure out new ways to do things, how to improve success rates, decrease complications. And and um, we all benefited from it. It was uh, very, uh, 
very productive, um, very um, enjoyable process actually to do that. Certainly the most enjoyable part of my um, career in interventional cardiology. And then you always seem to be so calm and stoic and zen almost like during any cases, everything else. Was that something you always like that or came over time? How did this happen? Well, I think, you know, some of that is you, you just try to, you have to try to keep yourself under control. I think uh, a lot of what we do involves uh, risk and I think um, nerves for all of us. Uh, some people show that more outwardly than others, but I think we're all kind of going through the same process in that regard. I, you know, that's a, it's a personality thing, but I think we're all pretty much feeling the same inside when we're doing these procedures. So you're just better at hiding it, I guess? Or, <laughs> or but do you feel stressed out? You know, you've done obviously so many. Do you now feel stressed out when you do those cases, the complex case, or you're feeling calm in general, unless something goes wrong? Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously it depends a lot on, on experience and numbers and volume and what you've experienced before in terms of complications, but that's a bit of a two-way sword as well because you know, you know, in certain situations what bad things can happen. And so, uh, you know, you have to sometimes put that out of your mind. So it's a, you know, it's a fine line, I think, uh, a tightrope walk uh, in that regard in terms of any time we're doing these complex cases. Um, so I think, you know, there, there's still certainly times where, where I feel uncomfortable uh, in the lab. There's just, you know, no question about that. Most of that is still with CTO PCI, uh, not, not with too many other interventions. Um, and it's, you know, most of it comes down to, I think about this a lot as I'm sure you do too. Most of it comes down, comes down to ambiguity and, you know, can you solve ambiguity or are you having difficulty uh, solving ambiguity. Um, and I think a lot of the techniques that we've developed and, and uh, spent, spent time um, perfecting and making success, successful have been techniques which resolve, uh, you know, limit the ambiguity of the, of the process that's a part of all CTO-PCI. I mean, I, we, we saw that in, in the three cases this morning. Um, so, um, yeah, I, you know, there's still, there's certainly still things that, uh, that make me uncomfortable and, and nervous, but that's, you know, that's part of the game. And, um, I think, uh, you have to, you have to be able to, to, uh, overcome that, you know, to some extent with your past experience, but with using a lot of these techniques that we've developed together. No, absolutely. And I agree with you that stress may be actually a good thing because it keeps you on your toes and you may be more likely to respond faster to if something um, doesn't go the way it's intended to be. Is uh, the uh, preparation you do for those cases now, how you look at the angiograms, is that different now than it was before? Have you reached kind of a level of maturity on that area? Yeah, let me just go back to one thing we were just talking about. I do think it's, um, it's better for the cath lab in general, you know, the staff in the cath lab, um, to have a, a somewhat more calm and relaxed presence when you're the primary operator. <laughs> you know, I think kind of the more frenetic and um, sometimes even discombobulated you are during a case, the, the more difficult it is for the staff 
to get focused and to pay attention and to understand what's going on. So I think that it's, I have found uh, over the years that's a helpful piece of uh, doing any complex case, but particularly CTO cases. Um, so in terms of case preparation, I think, um, you know, it hasn't changed a whole lot. I still spend quite a bit of time looking at films uh, ahead of time uh, in preparation. I, you know, I like to 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 do a lot of study of collateral access. And um, again, it's the same process of trying to limit ambiguity. Um, and I, I do think the more that you study ahead of time, uh, the more you can limit some of the issues that come up in terms of ambiguity. Part of that can be CT planning. I don't do a lot of CT, but um, there are certainly issues where I think CT can be very helpful in terms of uh, resolving and limiting ambiguity. Um, you know, otherwise, I still, I still think that um, the the kind of hybrid concept that you know we all worked on together um, way back when. Um, is still extremely valuable approach to think about, you know, going into to most cases. Um, there are always, you know, nuances and um, offshoots here and there. And I do think there's certainly been some changes in terms of uh, the way we approach things and some of the equipment that we have that um, change how we think about and approach the procedure, whether it's kind of within the hybrid construct or not. Um, but I, you know, I am, I certainly am always trying to, to consider, um, new ways of thinking about the process and the strategy. I mean, the, the, one of the great things about hybrid was that it strategized it, you know, it, it provided us, provided everybody, um, both who are doing the procedure and when you're teaching the procedure with a way to systematically think about doing things. I think, you know, we've gotten away from that a little bit, um, or maybe more than a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, there's still avenues to go, go kind of back in that direction and try to think more systematically about, uh, about approaches, um, for everybody. Is there something such as trying too hard? Do you feel sometimes if you try too hard, that might be counterproductive? Uh, well, I guess it depends on how you define trying too hard. I think, um, you know, there are um, certainly situations where you, I, I think every, kind of every move you make in the cath lab, and this certainly applies to CTO PCI more than, more than most other PCI, uh, virtually every move you make is a risk-benefit calculation, right? So um, I think as the case progresses and as time goes on and you, you have to continually reevaluate your um, risk benefit um, calculation uh, as you're moving on to the next strategy. And so and some of that certainly sometimes depends on things like time and, and contrast and radiation and operator fatigue and all those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, the, the more you do, the more I think self-aware you need or you should be able to to get in terms of all those things. Um, so there there is a, a point at that uh, for everybody. I think I've gotten pretty good, you know, within my own CTO practice and and when I'm working with other people um, at kind of knowing when that cutoff time is. But it's hard to quantify, obviously.
And then from the from your experience and the people you've taught, what is the hardest thing to teach and to learn? Um, I think within CTO, PCI, I think it's still difficult to get people to to understand that uh, that failure is part of the process, and that not failure of the case as a whole, but failure in any one strategy, and that the the concept of moving from one strategy to another. You know, knowing what your options are, knowing what your alternatives are, what the next strategy is going to be, and, and potentially the strategy after that, thinking ahead in those ways. You know, it's it's something that um, most operators who don't do a lot of CTO PCI aren't thinking about a whole lot. And I think you still have to to really push people. And I, you know, I see this even with experienced operators. You have to push them to move on. Uh, to the next phase and the next step and the next strategy and and be constantly thinking ahead the whole time because otherwise the procedure becomes so inefficient that you're gonna you're gonna hit that cut point you just mentioned um, without having proceeded very far. Sure. And then when it comes to bad things happening, when a complication happens or a procedure fails, how do you cope these days? Do you get depressed? Uh, you pretty much used to this by now. How do you approach it? Well, if you're used to it and you don't get depressed, then I think you shouldn't be doing PCI, to be honest. No, I'm serious. Like, if, you, if it doesn't bother you and you have a significant complication and you don't spend time thinking about what happened and uh, what you could have done differently and um, what, what other outcomes um, may have, um, you may have arrived at by doing things differently, then I think, I think you need to to get out of the business because um, that's a, an absolutely crucial part of doing what we do um, is to um, really um, meticulously evaluate um, the kinds of misadventures and, and bad outcomes that, that you're all going to have. I mean, we're certainly all going to have them in these situations. I think emotionally, it's always difficult, um, still difficult. Um, you know, I would say when you've been doing it for a long time and you, you know, you've had a lot of experience and, and also when you're, you're, you're doing it with a lot of other, um, experienced operators who have, uh, similar bad outcomes at times, um, you know, you, you get to, to understand, um, that it's not your fault all the time <laughs> or even, even a lot of the time, uh, and that, um, you know, it's as long as you have done a, uh, the appropriate job of uh, evaluating things going into the case, um, doing things the right way during the case, and handling the complication appropriately, that, you know, the emotional part of it should be a little bit easier to handle. Uh, not that it's not going to be there, but a little bit easier to handle. Um, and I certainly still, you know, with complications, um, and this is, you know, one thing I talk about this in the talk I have later today on, in the complication session. It's one thing that I really think has separated out um, CTO operators and, you know, the way that we developed um, our culture, um, much more so than, than other areas in interventional cardiology and certainly PCI in terms of an openness and a willingness to discuss failure and openness and willingness to discuss complications and and to grow from that. And I, I think that, that 
started early on. You know, it, it continues to this day, certainly for me. Um, and it makes a big difference. And I think it's, um, it, it's incumbent on, on us as people in the CTO PCI field to, to try to extrapolate that out to, to make it uh, a more widespread concept within the, the general uh, interventional cardiology culture. Wonderful. And then when you um, talk to people, and obviously everyone's open and that helps you feel better about it, then do you have a certain process? Do you talk to the staff? Do you educate the staff? Uh, do you have a specific process around actually complications and non uh, about keeping the staff as well involved into the process and understanding what's going on? Yeah, that's a great question. That's something that, that has definitely evolved over time. I was, you know, I was not good at that early on. Um, but you, and you don't, you know, you, you kind of forget about the fact that, uh, that the staff can be just as emotionally traumatized by some of these complications as you are. So I think it's super important. I tend to do it, you know, on an individual basis with each of the staff members that was involved with a certain case. Um, you know, and there's obviously review processes from a medical staff standpoint that we go through, but the, the cath lab staff aren't involved with that, uh, for the most part. So. So I think kind of individually approaching each person who was involved with the case, discussing, you know, what happened briefly. It doesn't have to take up, you know, hours of time, but um, reviewing things, um, reviewing how the patient's doing in particular afterwards, and then, you know, most importantly, thanking them for for what they did and the job that they've done. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's absolutely crucial and something that um, you, you need to, continue to work on throughout your career, I think. Are there any cases that have stayed with you that you've learned a lot from? I know you had many, but any specific ones? You know, I don't have a long memory, honestly. <laughs> I just, like, I remember some really good ones from the last month. <laughs> I had thing. one, I had one. No, this is, we're talking about CT. So this was a, this was a very interesting one. There was a patient that came in with uh, typical kind of anginal symptoms, um, had, um, I think, yeah, had a st his stress study showing inferior ischemia, got cast by one of my partners, and uh, had some kind of mild to moderate uh, left-sided disease and really beautiful collaterals to the right, uh, could not find the ostium in the right coronary, and, um, uh, you know, did... did worked at it, it put, you know, did aortic root shots and, and two views and, you know, trying to, trying to really determine where this thing was coming from. And in addition, the guy had, had a gunshot wound back like 20 years ago and had a sternotomy. Oh, wow. He had a sternotomy. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and so in my experience, it's, there's certainly flush occlusions of the right coronary that happens. But it's pretty uncommon. I mean, it's the, the majority of the time, there's there's something there, even if somebody can't find it when they're um, when they're looking with a traditional coronary angiogram. So, so I said, well, we got to do a CT on this guy, especially with his history of surgery, and I got to figure out where his, his right coronary is, and you know, maybe some like there was a bypass or something. Who knows? Um, and then, and then I, I ordered the CT and the, and I kept getting calls back from the CT 
um, technicians saying, oh, his calcium score is too high. You can't do a CT on him. It's 1500. I'm like, I don't care what the calcium score is. I don't, that's not of any interest to me. I just want to see where his right coronary comes off. So we eventually get the CT scan done. And it turns out this guy has the most anomalous right coronary artery I've ever seen, like coming off the anterior portion of the aorta three centimeters above the left coronary ostium. Like, I mean, it, it almost looked like a bypass graft, but it wasn't. Um, and it was like probably the most useful CT scan I've ever done in CT. It wasn't open RCA. I mean, there was something that was it, there was definitely antegrade. Yeah, there was, you could see flow into it antegrade from this extremely anomalous origin, which you'd never be able to find with a catheter without knowing where it was. And I mean, the other thing, like I, in the past, maybe five plus years ago, I would have just gone retrograde, which there were certainly retrograde options for, and you know, gotten up retrograde, and then you'd see your retrograde wire heading up to to like the carotid, and be like, "Where is this going? This is not in the anywhere near where I think it should go." So you'd be completely kind of again working in an ambiguous situation. So it was pretty pretty interesting, like really neat. Um, um, angiograms after the intervention to show this thing going off and uh, got a very nice result. The CTO actually was quite easy to <laughs> to open, but uh, but it was uh, you know there's always ongoing, never-ending learning experiences for all of this and this. Well, I guess that fits with the ambiguity, right? I mean, there's ambiguity and there are ways to go around it, and getting that CT was instrumental. But that's part of the fun. It's the unpredictability. It's part of the fun of the procedure. Then you're always on your toes and trying to understand what's the best way to go. Right, exactly. I think um, there is there is that part of it. Uh, I think you can still... Um, uh, you can still use a lot of techniques to resolve ambiguity to decrease the risk of complications. And I'm thinking, you know, primarily of using knuckle wires and, you know, the things that we have become very used to and facile with, I think, uh, at this point, that are going to um, decrease the risk of complications um, and um, and still have uh, enough excitement during the case to, to provide you with uh, energy and, uh, and curiosity. So, um, so, you know, you gotta, you got to use the tools that you have. Uh, there's still, you know, never-ending challenges in CTO-PCI. When you see someone who comes to you and you proctor him or he comes to watch you in the lab, um, can you tell if this person is going to be a good operator? And if he wants to train him, can you find the characteristics that make you want to teach him more and help him? Yeah, I mean, that's a... I think with just kind of general proctoring out there, uh, you know, going out to various sites, it's it's difficult uh, because you're you know the the experience is so limited. Uh, I mean, sometimes you can see right away that this is not for that person, um, and um, you know you, you're not going to spend a whole lot of time um, with it. Uh, but I think you know, especially working with fellows um, a lot up at Cedars. Um, you can't, you can really see, um, people who are, um, kind of have the, that combination of enough, uh, aggressiveness and, and self-confidence to, to sometimes push in uncomfortable situations, but also, you know, an understanding of, uh, of what limitations there are. Um, 
and you know obviously have to have other attributes with their hands and their brains and everything else but um i think you can you can see that um with the uh the fellows now i just work with you know advanced fellows who are doing chip fellowships there so you know they've already gone through the the general fellowship process uh, but you know there there's certainly differences there and i i um i do really try to to um encourage uh the people who look like you know they can be good at this and can advance well um and you know continue to to move the the field forward um to really concentrate on doing it um as opposed to you know doing 15 different things and you know continuing all the potential structural opportunities they have at cedars etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> so. yeah well it's good to be at a place where things are happening on, on multiple fronts um now when it comes to the actual procedures and you know having the longevity you had is phenomenal i know many people have talked to they have back pains they have fractures they have uh, laminectomies i mean really a lot of bad stuff happening um what has been your uh, your take how how are you keeping i know you're, you're a big exercise fan but how are you keeping in good shape and have you been feeling as good or having any issues with the lead and the radiation and all these things yeah i think um i've certainly uh, have always been very um strongly uh interested in actually you know this has nothing to do with doing coronary intervention but um very strong interest in uh, in athletics in general and in physical uh, exercise and staying in shape so um been doing it for a long 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 time and um and i certainly still do i don't think that's that's an important piece of um dealing with the the physical struggles that we have with uh I mean, not just the lead, it's just, you know, sometimes standing up all day in the lab for on and off for hours at a time. Um, so I think that's very helpful. I think, you know, uh, the kind of exercise I do is very helpful in that way because I do um, uh, swimming, biking, and running. I got into doing triathlons a long time ago, uh, and I still do the same same kind of training techniques I've, I've started doing 20 years ago for that. Um, so I think, uh, in particular, I think swimming is just, you know, a fantastic, fantastic form of exercise, particularly as you get older and you have to deal with more joint and, uh, mobility issues. Um, but in terms of, uh, core strength and I know we're getting outside of CTO PCI. <laughs> no, here, but that's but, exactly the point. Um, I think, um, you know, it's really, really helpful to, to keep yourself, um, fit in that way. Um, so, you know, that being said, obviously I still, as, as you get older, all of us are going to have, uh, those issues and, you know, you deal with it as you can. I think, you know, the lead, I, I've always been even from, again, from a long time ago, very conscious of, um, how the lead sits on me and then the weight on my shoulders, et cetera, et cetera. So I have lots of, uh, different, uh, ways to to minimize the problems with that of course now i definitely think i've worked with um rampart and a number of different labs um and i think that's uh, a real positive advance for 
uh, interventional cardiologists in general, I certainly would would uh, strongly recommend um, availing yourself of all opportunities, um, including um, you use the uh, the zero gravity. The zero yeah, the zero gravity, gravity in my, uh, my lab. Yeah. Right. So you know any of those things. I, I mean, you know, there's pluses and minuses with all of them, but I think certainly any of those things that can uh, minimize the amount of time that you have weight on your shoulders is going to help you in the long term. How many hours do you exercise every day? About an hour uh, every day during the week. Uh, and then on the weekends, I do longer, you know, long bike rides on the weekend. And do you think that apart from the uh, the physical part, I guess, remaining strong also helps the um, mental, psychological part? I mean, in and out the the cases, obviously. I think so. I think, you know, if we're going back to the, the, uh, the complication discussion that we were just having, um, there's absolutely no question that, you know, for me, and I think this is a pretty well-known phenomenon that, you know, dealing with, um, depression, you know, anxiety, stress, um, uh, exercises, uh, is an extremely important component of that. I mean, I, I don't know where I'd be, you know, if I, if I didn't have that outlet on a regular basis and wasn't used to doing it on a regular basis. Cause I think, you know, you can always find lots of excuses not to do it. And uh, I think if you have been doing it a long time and you understand um, how beneficial it can be, um, even if you feel like crap while you're doing it, uh, then you know you're you're going to be able to keep it up and uh, and continue to to get the success out of it, both physically and mentally that we're talking about. And do you have any favorite books or favorite movie? Um, I, you know, I, I'm a avid reader, um, and, um, again, have a short memory for, um, my favorites in, in those areas, but I, you know, I, I, I like all kinds of fiction and nonfiction. I like to mix it up. I like, uh, a lot of, uh, historical nonfiction. Um, I spent one one year, a few years ago, writing, reading um, all kinds of uh, um, historical nonfiction, starting, you know, pre-U.S. Uh, historical nonfiction, starting pre-Revolutionary War, and then just working my way up all all the way to the to the present time. That was really enjoyable and interesting. Just all kinds of different um, nonfiction books, um, and uh, you know, I, I like. Uh, any any good writing and you know just like in pci there's like there's some really good writing and there's not so good writing i'm, I'm reading a book right now by ann patchett and she's just she's just fantastic i don't know you know any of her novels but she's just a fantastic writer um so you know really really good nonfiction is uh, very enjoyable and also can can take your mind off things for a short period of time as well um how about movie movies uh you know it really didn't uh it really had a downturn in the number of movies that i saw starting in march of 2020 <laughs> for obvious reasons um and ended up you know doing a lot more watching of uh streaming series you know than than actual 
movies um and there's i have um i have a lot of favorites there for sure <laughs> that's that's kind of a long list and i and most of them i'm waiting for the next season to come out you know things like severance and and succession i don't know if you've seen any of these like they're they're really fantastic shows great writing and everything else and i you know but the next season is going to be like one or two years away it's like drives you crazy um, but yeah i really uh, enjoyed watching some of those um, from time to time and uh, what are you most proud of from the things you've done so far what are you most proud of both uh, professionally and personally um well i, I guess um I guess probably professionally, I'd say uh, most proud of continuing to grow. You know, to really to to continue to evolve, and you know that's I I only take a small amount of credit for that. I think most of the credit for that goes to well, I would take credit for involving myself with you know all of us in the CTO PCI space and and getting you know, very aggressively involved with that because, you know, so much of my growth and, and you know, what I've done uh, in in the cath lab has been dependent on that interaction with um, with everybody um, involved in our in our space. Um, but, you know, I do I do feel um, pretty satisfied with with the, my the arc of my professional career and um you know that um that i'm continuing you know to try to um to evolve and and figure out new and better ways to do things and and you know play around with new uh, devices and um new um new fun stuff uh for cto pci still very interested and and uh curious about uh, doing that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, that's, that's probably, uh, where I, uh, feel like professionally, um, I've, uh, I've done the best. Um, I think, you know, personally, it's always, it's always about family, right? I mean, it's, uh, when you, you know, you've had four kids that you've raised and, um, uh, a couple of them have kids and, uh, you know they're they're doing well and and happy and um you know you have to you have to feel generally pretty good about things right i mean that's that's what you you look back on that's the uh that's certainly the uh the personal legacy more than anything and are you planning to ever stop or no such thing <laughs> Well, I, I know distressingly, I do get asked that more and more lately. I said, even though I've had like literally, I've had this hair for like twenty years, right? Like it hasn't changed in twenty years, but I do get asked more about it more recently for some reason. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I have I certainly haven't set any fixed time. Um, I do think um, you have to, you again have to be self aware um, that you're you're not always going to uh, have the same skill sets uh, as you have had in the past and you have to um, continue to think about that just like you know professional athletes and everything else um, so you know it's hard to know when that 
point's going to be. I think certainly still right now, you know, really enjoy what I'm doing, enjoy the, um, enjoy taking care of patients and making patients feel better for sure. Enjoy, uh, the technical aspects of what we do. Enjoy, you know, these kind of interactions that we all have at, at, at these meetings and, and trying to move things forward. So, you know, uh, at some point, um, I'll find some of that's not so enjoyable, I'm sure. I mean, I certainly already feel that being on call is not enjoyable. So uh, that's a <laughs> that's a factor uh, in all that decision making. And there are, you know, the parts of, of the practice that aren't aren't the most enjoyable for me. But, you know, the, the majority of what I do um, is still quite stimulating and enjoyable. And um, that's you know, I don't, I don't have a finite endpoint in mind. So it looks like if you do triathlons, you're going to have a long career as an interventionalist. So there you go. That's the secret to success. <laughs> I think, you know, I think it's helpful for sure. I don't know about the secret. I probably could get run over by a car riding my bike next weekend. <laughs> and that would be the end of my career right there. So well, I know many more interventionalists who have their spines fused than the ones who get run by cars. So you never know. Sure. But uh, uh, so, Mike, what excites you the most for the future? You know, you've seen all the devices. You've been part of a lot of devices being developed, techniques are mature, uh, algorithms, everything else. What do you find most exciting right now? Hmm. Well, I think you know, on the on the device front, uh, there's always new, interesting things going out going on out there. I think um, within again within the CTO realm i think the the techniques that we are that are being developed and and tested um to again keep things as safe as possible uh, minimize risk and um building on a lot of the the work that we've done over the last you know 10 to 15 years particularly in terms of dissection reentry techniques um moving forward with some new devices to be able to expand the use of that, uh, make them more consistently successful, um, lower the risk of the procedure. So, you know, continuing to, to work on those and, uh, and help to, to, uh, think about and develop those and, and also think about ways of, kind of fitting them in, as I was talking about earlier, fitting them into the, the process and the systematic thinking about, um, CTO, PCI, all of that I, I, I still find quite interesting and um, enjoyable to, to participate in. Um, go ahead. Yeah. So if you had to summarize from everything you've done, all your experience, if you had to summarize the key points, if someone comes to you now and says, give me your advice, how can I, what should I do to become a great operator and a strong interventionalist and do the best thing I can do? Yeah, I, I think it harkens back to a lot of the stuff we've already talked about. I think it's, um, you have to, you really have to, number one, challenge yourself um, and um, challenge yourself primarily in terms of getting better um, and working hard on getting better, understanding that, um, you know, coming out of fellowship or even earlier in your career, you may think that you're, really good at things i certainly did uh until you start interacting you know 
doing things with other people, collaborating with other people, um, going to meetings, you know, getting very, very actively involved, and you realize that you have to, to work hard at it. You gotta keep working hard to get better and evolve uh, throughout your career, and you have to have the desire to do that, uh, the intellectual curiosity to do that. Um, and I think, you know, that's as a general concept, whether you're doing CTO intervention or any other kind of intervention in the cath lab, I think that's, that's probably the most important thing. Perfect. Well, Mike, again, it's been a phenomenal journey. It's been so much fun working with you over the years. Thanks for everything. And again, delighted to keep on working for the next 30, 40 years. <laughs> you're going to be that long? Yeah, uh, thank you, Manas. It was really uh, a pleasure to have worked with you and continue working with you, and you're doing a, a fan fantastic job for the field as well, so thanks. Thank you for listening to the Sensei Podcast. 